Here we go. Chapter 31. We are three quarters of the way through the book already. All right. I was back home and in bed by the time Mags finally crept back into the cottage. It must have been very late. Did you see the bomber come down? I whispered. I don't know why I whispered. There was no one else in the cottage for us to disturb. I had been lying there, sleepless in the dark, thoughts of the German pilots, Spooky Joe, and the mysterious signal from the clifftops all swimming around my head. Pa had been the spy that Pinstripe had been looking for. I knew that. But there must be someone else, too. Someone else had cut the telephone lines and burned down the church hall, and someone was now flashing a light during the blackout to signal the enemy. Yes, Mag said. We saw it come down. Who were you with, Mags? Who were you with? But she didn't say anything. Mags? She changed into her pajamas and climbed into the bed. I heard the rustle of her sheet and blanket as she pulled them up over her shoulder and turned away from me. What was wrong with her? After a few minutes of silence, I rolled in the opposite direction, towards the window, so that our backs were facing each other. Eventually, I gave in to sleep, allowing the dark dreams to flood back into my exhausted brain. The day after that, Mags was out of the house at dawn and didn't come home until after supper time. And the same thing happened the next day, too. I spent both days up in the lantern room, polishing the lamp and recording the weather conditions and shipping movements in Pa's logbook. I stared out to sea, hypnotized by the slow, twisting shape of the worm beneath the waves, trying to work out what had happened to my sister. Something had shifted again. She was just as she'd been before Dunkirk, back in the early spring when I'd felt as if I hardly knew her at all. I needed to talk to her about being evacuated. Had she managed to speak to someone about it? Had she sorted it out somehow? We hadn't heard anything from Mrs. Barron for a couple of days now. Perhaps that cold, lonely silence between me and Mags would have gone on forever if it hadn't been for what happened to Mrs. Rossi and her husband. The police came from them, came for them, and took them away. They weren't spies. They hadn't done anything wrong at all. But their home country, Italy, had now joined the war on Hitler's side, not ours. With everything in the country so angry and frightened and expecting an invasion at any minute, Mr. Churchill had ordered the police to, quote unquote, color the lot. Anyone who could potentially be a supporter of the enemy, anyone born in the wrong country. It didn't matter now if you were category B or C enemy alien. You were likely to be rounded up for the internment camps, and some were being deported too. Someone in the village had written a terrible word on the door of the Rossi's bakery and had thrown stones through their window. I was there trying to help Edie tidy up a bit when the police came. It wasn't Pinstripe. It was a gray-haired officer from Dover. He was very polite to Mr. and Mrs. Rossi, but he wasn't interested in pursuing the vandalism of their shop. It wasn't the vandals he had come to arrest. The policeman told the Rossies that the two of them would be safer in an internment camp than in their own home, but they really didn't have a, have a choice. I saw the tears shining in Mrs. Rossi's brown eyes as she and her husband were led away, and I thought of her kindness to Muddy on the day Spooky Joe had called her Jerry. Difficult for all of us, my dear. As soon as I got home, I told Mags what had happened, and I told her what I wanted to do. To my surprise, she agreed to help. We went straight back down to the village with a bucket of soapy water, a scrubbing brush, some wood, a hammer, and a bag of nails. Edie and I scrubbed the graffiti off the door of the bakery, and Mags boarded up the broken windows. 
A few people watched us from the other side of the street. Others pretended not to notice. One man spat on the pavement as he passed. We ignored them all. It was a hot day, one of those particularly un-British summer days when the pavement is like the bottom of an oven and the heavy air pulses with heat. The back of my neck got redder and redder in the sunshine, and the soapy water ran down my arms. It must have been low tide because the whole village smelled of warm, rotting seaweed. I scrubbed and scrubbed and scratched at the door with my fingernails. I was determined not to leave a trace of the vulgar painted letters behind. I was thinking about kind Mrs. Rossi, and I was thinking about my Mutty, too. I remembered the look that passed between Mrs. Peacock and Mrs. Barron when Mags insisted that we weren't orphans. Might as well be orphans, that look had said. If Pinstripe knew that Muddy had not committed any act of treachery, she was safe from being imprisoned or prosecuted. How long would it be now until she was released from the internment camp? With this new policy to lock up every enemy alien in the country, alien meaning someone from another country, Muddy might not be allowed home at the end until the end of the war. And when would that be? It could be years and years. I hardly noticed the tears that ran down my cheeks as I scrubbed at the ugly paint. The sun burned away at my back. Mal Bright, one of the fishermen, stopped and offered to help us. His son Sam had been killed in the evacuation of Dunkirk. He had been hit by machine gun fire trying to help a soldier out of the water. Thank you, Mr. Bright, Mag said as he held the plank of wood steady across the window frame. My sister hammered it into place, knocking nails into the corners. I was wondering, Mal said. It's my boy's funeral on Friday, Sam's funeral. Mag stopped hammering. I stopped scrubbing at the paint. I was wondering because you won't be able to have a funeral as such if you two would like it to be a memorial for your dad too. Mags looked at me properly for the first time in days. I was suddenly aware of my sunburned neck, my hot tear-stained face. I nodded. Yes, Mag said. That's kind of you, Mr. Bright. I think we would like that very much. Okay, end of chapter. <sighs> well, don't know what to think, but this all that is all true about those internment camps. I think we talked about it earlier in the year. We talked about the Japanese, Japanese Americans were taken away um, and the Germans and the Italians were as well. Can't imagine that happening now, but it was a different time then. People thought differently. Anyway, I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I look forward to seeing you guys again next week. Bye-bye.